Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Lori Fatel. She is a brain injury survivor and advocate. She has authored her own book, Am I Brain Damaged? Welcome to the show, Lori. Hi. It's good to have you here. I was very interested in learning more about you through your website at braininjurymotivation.com. And I'm very excited for you to be on the show today and to share with some of our listeners some of the things that you've learned along your journey and things that you could possibly help others with to feel more hope and to be encouraged if they're going through something similar or have a family member who's going through something similar. Can you give the listeners a little bit of your background before the event happened and then leading up to your actual brain injury? I have to start with when the brain injury happened, I was 24 years old. Okay. So leading up to that, um, I had recently moved out of my parents' home and moved into my first apartment. I was um, recently promoted from data processing. I know it it uh, ages me, but that was back in 1986. Right. I was promoted I was promoted from data processing to executive secretary and I was going to college at night. Mm-hmm. I was um, building my world. I was very excited, and things were just going my way, and everything was good. I grew up in um, Metro Detroit. I have a good family. I had a good boyfriend. Everything was good. Then one day I was driving to work, and I drove by construction on a freeway, and a construction truck dropped a bale of hay onto my windshield. Mm. My car rolled off. Um, and hit some construction materials. I was um, saved from my car by the jaws of life and admitted into the hospital with a traumatic brain injury, Mm -hmm. followed by a seven-day coma. And when I became alert from the coma, my brain had reverted to what I see as less than a newborn child. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to breathe and move and walk and talk and eat and Mm. bodily functions, all that again. Mm -hmm. Did you lose your memory then from your whole past life before that? At that time, I had no memory at all. Okay. As I developed, when I started to um, understand again and have memories, Mm -hmm. I remembered my early past life, like my childhood Mm -hmm. and and, up up until high school, but then I didn't remember from high school about the age of 17 or 18 until the morning of the accident. Mm-hmm. So from the age of about 17 or 18 until the age of 24 was, and still is pretty much gone. It's kind of foggy. Okay. How did you feel initially, I mean, when you started to feel, because obviously if you woke up and felt or seemed like a newborn, when you started to have feelings again and have some memories, what were some of the feelings that you dealt with? Because I know those are important things to share, and I'm sure you probably share about that in your book with the listeners uh, if 
they've gone through this or have a loved one who's gone through it. What were some of those early feelings in the beginning? Was there fear or shock? How would you yeah, describe yeah, it? Yeah, there was a lot of them. First, I'd like to say that I'm blessed that I don't remember physical pain, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I know there was some, but I don't remember it, so that's good. I did go through, yeah, confusion, frustration, and anger were probably the foremost mm-hmm. feelings and thoughts. And most of the frustration and anger was at myself because it seems that somehow I knew that I could do things that I couldn't do at that time. Does right. that make sense? Yes. So I would try to do things and I couldn't do things it, as simple as tying my shoe. And so I got frustrated and angry and and. I know that when I started talking, I I'm, I got into um, easily swearing and being angry and not saying nice things. Mm-hmm. I am a certified occupational therapist now, and I do work with the traumatic brain injured. And I do know that during recuperation, it's regular for all of us to go through these angers. Mm-hmm. What I know from my personal, what happened to me is that the the anger in the mean times that I built and created were based on my anger and frustration from within myself, not at my loved ones and my family and my support. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I know I, yeah, yeah. And, And I would like to share with everyone that listens that if you have a family member or a friend or anyone who's going through this, when you see or experience the anger and the frustration and sometimes the physical lashing out, realize that they're not directing it at you. It's an internal thing that might give the the people who are there to give support a little more encouragement so they don't feel so downtrodden. You know, I know that people who are giving support need strength. Right, right. That makes sense. And I think that's important to share with people because whatever the injury or illness or accident is, there's so much that the family and caregivers go through as far as feeling hopeless and helpless and frustrated. So I'm really glad that you have wrote your book to share about your side of it and hopefully that will help other people understand better and how they can deal with going through something similar. Yes, yes. And something that I've done recently, I've been speaking to um, caregivers and family members, and I can share with them the happiness and the gratification I have for them that I was unable to express to them Mm -hmm. at the time. It's it's so important, all the people that care for us, that help us, and, and even that they don't know. I don't remember... A lot. From way back when I was in the hospital and I was still in ICU, it seems that I remember seconds in a day. And the seconds that I remember are the gentle touches, are the smiles, are the kindness that people gave to me. So please, I I hope that all people that support and care for others realize that, that all the goodness that they put out, that we feel it. 
So that that's makes, very important. Right. That makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate you saying that, and I think that's important for people to realize, too. It can be such a long, hard journey for loved ones and caregivers to go through these processes with others, but, again, it's helpful, I think, that someone like you is willing to share and support that journey, if you will. When you started to go through your healing process, are there specific things that you can share with the listeners as far as what helped you and whether it's something that they can do specifically because they're, they've gone through something similar or they're the caregiver or the family member, how can they help and how do you get through this process of healing? Because I understand it's a long, arduous process and mm-hmm. something where you have to obviously stay faithful and hopeful. And it's slow. Mm-hmm. When I started to, I can't say when I started, when I personally started to recognize advancement, which was way later than my supports and my family recognized advancement, when I started to recognize that I was, my inabilities, I started doing things like, like playing little mind games. Like when I was, when someone was driving me around, I would try to read the signs, just the simple little signs that say stop and yield and 25 miles per hour. That was hard. And so I, I tried to read them and I would read them quietly to myself because, of course, I knew that I was an adult and that I was unable to do these these adult things. So I was embarrassed. But what I would say to others is if the person that's going through this is, in fact, an adult in an adult body, reteaching in the same way that you teach a child and a preschooler is proper, but you need to speak to them as an adult, if that makes sense, not to use childlike language. So, like I was saying, oftentimes my family and friends would take me for rides and drive me around to different places that I was regular with, and that helped bring my memories back. And I would see signs, like let's say a sign that said 25 miles per hour, and I would practice it and read it. And then as we were passing it, in my mind I would think, you know, the number two, the number five, the letter M, the letter P, the letter H, and then I would try to say it backwards to myself. That was helping me build and develop. So um, the visual was awesome to see sights and sounds and things that I had known prior to the injury, but also to review anything that I could, something simple like, like a sign on the road. I'm sure everyone's probably heard that the commercials that they put out about being a good parent and how it's good to when you're with a child and just just say anything you know anything positive or, or intelligent to them like if they're eating breakfast to say oh look you're using a spoon and you're using silverware and we put whole milk into your into your cereal and your cereal was whatever Cheerios all of that is things that the child doesn't know So then if you think about where I was or where someone who's brain injured is and being that their mind has been erased, when they would sit down at a meal to say kindly but not 
not with the attitude of you're a child, but to just say, you know, like if it was me, hey, Lori, remember, this is your knife and your fork and your spoon, and on your plate you have a, I don't know, whatever, a, a hamburger, and it looks like you like ketchup. Let me show you the ketchup. You know, just things to re-teach the brain what it knew. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense, and thank you for sharing that. I think that's a great tip for others to remember that learning process because I don't think sometimes, as you said, if we're not actually dealing with a child and it is an adult, we don't realize that it's similar to teaching a child and learning all these new things that have been learned but aren't recalled at the moment. Yeah, so absolutely. how did you deal with, along your journey, some of the feelings that you had as far as the anger, the frustration, fear, whatever came up for you, are there certain things that you did to help with your emotional health? Yes. It's all very, very intimate to me, and it took a lot out of me to write it and put it in my book. So it's 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 even real hard to speak it, if that makes sense. I'm a very faithful person. Mm-hmm. Prayers helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Prayers helped me so much. And I don't think that I shared with my caregivers or my family my emotions. I don't think I shared my emotions, my sadness, my frustration, my my personal deep, deep emotions. Mm-hmm. I, I think I kept those kind of hidden and within myself. My neuropsychologist, did the best thing for me when um, I was developing, even back when I was still coming, just coming out of the coma, I'll revert kind of. My mom was always working with me, and she immediately put a pen in my hand with paper mm-hmm. because she knew I she knew that I always liked to write. Well, back to my neuropsychologist, I had been with him the whole time, and I guess when my brain developed to that of about a five-year-old, he somehow was able to talk to me and tell me that if I started to journal mm-hmm. and to write my thoughts, that then I could review mm-hmm. and review my journal. So I journaled in the beginning, like I said, probably when I was about five years old in my mind. Right. So I used, yeah, so I used just one and two and three word sentences and in childlike language, but that developed, I ended up journaling for almost 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And well into my, you know, a regular adulthood, mm-hmm. my reliving regular adulthood, but I had to relive a brain, mind kind of childhood, kind of adolescent, mm-hmm. kind of young adulthood, and I journaled all that, and that helped me so that I didn't have to share with others, Mm -hmm. and so I could review, so that helped me a lot. I did share some with my neuropsychologist, not everything, because I was afraid, I was always afraid to share with other people my thoughts, because what if they thought, okay, she's thinking wrong and we need to put her into some type of a mental institution or something. Those were also still 
around back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my largest, my biggest fear. So yeah, I held it to myself. The best thing I can tell people and that I find um, with the people that I work with professionally anymore is to journal. Mm-hmm. And the journaling helped me the best. Mm-hmm. So what I did is that's how my book and my brain damaged came about is I finally had the courage after close to 20 years to delve back into the beginning of my journaling. Mm-hmm. And I and I took all that journaling and kind of created it into a timeline and made it into the story of my rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So that helped me the most. And then even as I've um, worked professionally as been independent, once I was able to recognize my book and tell my story and share my story and share the happiness that I can find from it, Mm -hmm. I was able to accept that that was something that I went through. As I said earlier, I was very ashamed because I knew that I was an adult, yet I couldn't control my bodily functions or I couldn't speak properly or I couldn't walk like a lady. Mm -hmm. So I never really wanted to admit that I had a brain injury. Mm -hmm. Once my my book came out, I was able to admit it and I was able to... I kept telling myself that I'm using this to better others. And so then I was able to accept what had happened to me mm-hmm. because then I knew it would help others. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm certainly glad and commend you for sharing your story, for being brave and not just allowing it to help other people, but allowing it to help you. So I'm assuming it, the whole process of the book and now the outcome of helping others is very healing for you. Yes. Yes, and it's helped me become who I am today. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it helped develop my my character and and I'm very happy with who I am today. So, yeah, everything just fell in place. That's wonderful. How long do you think it took to be at that point where you felt like you were up to speed as far as relearning everything and functioning as a normal healthy adult how many years did that take even when I went back into college which was about three years after the injury I I was still kind of not knowing if I was walking the walk if I was able to to do it properly I was like after every semester I went back to my counselor and said I don't know if I can do this I don't know if this is working and and I was always the timid student. So it wasn't until after I graduated, after I got my certification and paid for my licensure, and after I had been working for several years, and after my annual working reviews, when I started getting good reviews and, and was told that I was a good occupational therapist. So that was probably at least six years post-injury. Mm-hmm. But as we know, that can vary as far as how people adjust and when they feel better and when things change. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. And what I say to, um, professionally, what I say to people is, you know, regardless if we're healing our mind or our bones or our skin or anything, 
we are all, we're not a cake. It's not like you can just mix it and put it in the oven for however long and it's done. Mm -hmm. We all have different chemicals running through our body and different lifestyles to move back into or to develop. And so it depends on how it's going to work for us individually. So, yeah, it could... It could take some people a very short period of time and some people a very long period of time. So my saying that it took me six years is not really a gauge for anyone else. Right, right. I'm glad that you said that because I wanted to make sure people didn't feel like there was some set time or or some even event that makes it true for their own healing and their own process and what they're mm-hmm. going through. It's a very individualized situation when one faces a traumatic brain injury. Can you speak to the listeners a little bit about that as far as your thoughts or knowledge about the brain rebuilding brain cells, the brain healing physically within? I can comfortably begin with saying that I am so pleased with how medicine has developed with working with the brain. Mm -hmm. And for a very long period of time, it was thought that Um, If brain cells were killed or damaged, that they were gone, Mm -hmm. and that if if we were lucky, the extra brain cells that we had would take over for those. Mm -hmm. It's now been proven that there's neural pathways in our brain, and the pathways is our are how we think and how we develop and how we how we monitor. Our movements, our thoughts, our functions, our interactions through those pathways. And it's been learned and taught and, and it's still being studied even more. But new pathways can be built many, many, many times over and over again. So the way that I explain it is, or the way that I see it is not that it's so much the capacity of the brain, but the the fact that our brain as humans is so much more advanced. Mm-hmm. So much has the ability to to build. It's elastic. There's things that can be done. Now, again, like you had said earlier, there are parts of the brain, but there are parts of the brain that once they're damaged and destroyed, there are parts of our lives that are damaged and destroyed. I'm not saying that once a brain is injured, it can always get better. Right, right. But there are at least portions of our lives that can come back if our brain is injured, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense at all. And, it, and it, like a traumatic brain injury, I was told, is similar to a stroke, only multiple, multiple strokes at one time is what a traumatic brain injury is similar to. Mm-hmm. So... People get weakness in their body and, and maybe weakness in their face and, and some some people lose some of their vision and some of their ability to swallow and chew and talk and walk and all of that, just like with a stroke. Mm-hmm. And it's the ability of the brain to tell the body how to function, which would bring back the strength within that weak hand or, or the strength within that eye that can't see as clearly or 
or the ability of our body to make up for what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. If that, okay. I was hoping I was making sense. Yes, definitely. And that's why I wanted you to share a little bit more about it because I know obviously people who have gone through this or going through this with a loved one or want to understand as much as possible. And I'm sure the book will help others to understand too what you went through and how that whole process happened as far as your healing and creating a new life for yourself. Can you tell the listeners where they could find out more about you and get a copy of the book? Um, Before I do that, I would like to say my book is my personal opinions and my personal thoughts in my development. It's not a textbook. It can be used to give insight both to the caregivers, the family members, and the injured, but it's not a a professional textbook of any type. Mm -hmm. It can be purchased online. It's available through Amazon.com. It's available on Kindle through Amazon Kindle. Soon I will have it available in audio. Um, If somebody orders directly to me through my email or goes to my website, I can send out a book or multiple books and I will sign them. My email is B as in boy, I as in ice cream, and then the word survivor. So it's B-I survivor at yahoo.com. And my website is braininjurymotivation.com. I do have another website, which is the same. It's mibraindamage.com. Okay, great. And, of course, the book is called Am I Brain Damaged and authored by Lori Fatel for anyone who's interested in getting a copy of the book or connecting further with her. Lori, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story today on Your Story Matters, and thank you for having the courage to put yourself out there and and share about your journey in the hopes of helping others to feel encouraged and hopeful in their situation. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for letting me talk. You're welcome.